to Make Share Grow, a podcast about art making and the creative process. I'm Julie Marriott, painter, mother, and lover of bold and joyful color. Come on into my studio. I hope what I share here about my art practice will inspire you in your own creative journey. And welcome to week two of my documentation of my new painting collection. There were several things that went on this week that um, I tried out and explored, and I am excited to share all of the nitty gritty goodness with you. So let's dive in. Okay, so um, I have two pieces underway now. So we'll talk about the first one first. I had started that last week, and I continued to develop it on. Um, I felt like it, the painting that I was working on, the floral painting, I feel like it was going somewhere good last week, and it just needed, after I kind of went crazy on it, um, there was lots of layers, lots of colors, lots of just sort of undefined mushy areas, and um, so I kind of got to a point, I could feel this tipping point between just completely intuitive play at the beginning of the painting, and then I kind of hit this point where I felt like if I continued to pl- just completely unthinkingly play on it, I would just start painting over a lot of things that I really was liking in the painting. So I decided to slow down and be a little bit more intentional. I was still layering and kind of exploring colors, but um, I was doing it a little bit more slowly, a little bit more thoughtfully, and kind of starting to um, define the light in the painting. And so for me, that that really means like I kind of do a lot of things in like a one value range or I don't know if that's the right way of describing it, but I do a lot of me- medium value colors. And then at a certain point, I start adding in highlights and then darker colors to help define the values and kind of round it out and add contrast. And so... Um, what was going on in the painting is I, I kind of decided since it's a bouquet sitting in a vase, I decided, okay, the light needs to be coming from, you know, this direction. I decided to be coming from the left-hand side. And I decided that one side of the vase was going to be lighter. One side was going to be darker. And then one side of the bouquet was going to have some more shadowy areas to it. Not completely, but diving into the shadows a little bit more than um, the opposite side, the lighter side. And so, yeah, that was really fun. And I just continued to layer and to define shapes and kind of um, not clean up edges at all. The edges are very, the edges of all the different shapes in the painting are still very, um, hazy and I love it that way. And I got the comment from a couple people who saw the painting at this stage um, that it had a more muted sort of feeling to it. And that kind of caught me off guard because at first I was thinking, wow, this is so bright. Look at all the bright colors in it. It's just like all my other paintings. And then when I got the comment that it was more muted, I was like, what? 
what? What is going on? And so I thought about it some more and realized that what's going on in the painting is that because I'm using um, this dry brush technique where I'm laying down texture, but you're still seeing the color that's underneath the color that I'm painting. Um, so you're seeing like color over color over color. What happens visually is that the colors tend to mute each other. You're not getting the full blast of a single saturated color. You're kind of looking through layers, um, layers of color to layers underneath. And so your eye is like visually mixing the layers. And so it's coming out as a more muted uh, experience, even though I'm using intense colors for the most part the whole time. So I thought that was really interesting and kind of a neat development. So I've definitely been trying to find the balance between intentionally developing areas of the painting and not um, having it be completely haphazard. Um, so finding that balance between developing, but then not overworking. So to me, I feel like if I just, if a whole painting is just very um, intuitively, just like sort of crazily <laughs> applied, um, you know, not much of my thinking skills or my problem solving skills and my editing skills are there yet and it needs that stage. So one thing that I um, was taught by my professors in college that I really liked, one of my painting professors, and it's just always stuck in my head, he said, um, anything, you're responsible for everything that is on the canvas. You have chosen to leave it there or to take, you know, to take something away or to leave it there. And everything that's there on the canvas, you have chosen to leave there. And so um, I like that that um, approach and that mindset of being intentional about my painting. And even if something completely unintentionally wonderful happens, I leave it there because I'm intentionally choosing to leave it there. And then there are certain things that completely unintentionally haphazardly happen that I don't like the looks of. I'm going to take those away. And so um, anyway, I'm entering more of that, that editing phase of the painting. But I wouldn't say that anything is 100% refined. I definitely have areas where I love the effects and the textures, and I feel like the shapes are just defined enough. Um, and then other areas, I kind of look and go, oh, that's totally not finished. Um, but for the most part, I felt like it was at a good place, and I was starting to get a little bit tighter with my painting style and wanting to be a little bit more getting into the details. And so, like I said last week, I really don't want to jump into that phase until I have more canvases going on this looser sort of, um, at that looser stage so that I can kind of stay in the really playful, loose, um, intuitive phase of my creation process as long as possible. So, um, yeah, so I took the painting and I hung it up and something that's interesting since we uh, moved homes and I no longer have a separate room, that's my studio. My studio is now in a pretty large spacious corner of our open dining room kitchen area. 
And so something that's interesting about basically kind of working in like directly in our living space is that I could hang up the painting on the wall. I like took down a painting that we had purchased and it was hanging there and I took it down and I hung up my painting, my completely like in my mind, unfinished painting just to think about it and to look at it. And I would always put up my paintings in my studio, but they weren't really in a living space. And so it's it, it's been really interesting just looking at the painting, considering it for several days and having it actually exist in like a furnished room that's meant for like living life in and imagining it hanging. Um, and that really kind of slowed me down and thought about like, oh, you know, do how much further do I want to push this? Do I like it the way it is? Do I like it you know, as an actual, like pretending it's a finished piece, do I like it on the wall or do I wish, you know, some things were pushed a little further? Um, and so, yeah, that's been really interesting just living with it um, and considering it from that perspective. And I would totally recommend that if you're working on a painting, put it in your living space because it really takes it out of the um, working mentality and you can kind of see if it sits well as a piece in a home, because that's my intention, at least for all of my pieces. I want them to go to people's homes. I want them to be lived with. I want them to feel um, like, you know, they're part of a home that they're going to, uh, you know, bring joy and color to your space and um, and be really comfortable to live with in, and bring beauty to your life. And so, um, yeah, just having it having it hang there was really interesting thinking about all those things. Um, so there definitely are some things that I'm going to uh, define about the painting, but um, there are also things about it that I really like where they are, and I don't think I'm going to touch them anymore. So um, yeah, so that was an interesting... An interesting thing that happened, so I, I have that hanging, and then I started a second piece. But before I start talking about the second piece, I wanted to share, I was looking at notes on my phone, and I had this one note that I came across that I wrote back in 2019, and I think it was kind of in preparation for 2019, like starting as a year, so it was like at the very beginning. And I wrote a list of lots of different themes and ideas and things that I am interested in exploring in my work. And um, I wanted to read you this list because I think it's perfect for this project. So my notes from 2019 say, techniques I want to explore. And then I have a list of bullet points. Atmosphere, drips, brushwork, blending and background, spray, speckles, splatters, built up layers, start out more washy, drippy, unrefined, carve out shapes from background, more layers and textures. And I was looking over that list and I thought, this is everything that's going on in this collection. I feel like I hadn't quite got there with all of those ideas that I was curious and techniques I wanted to go into and explore. And I'm totally doing almost every single one of them in this uh, painting series so far. And I just thought... That's awesome. <laughs> so it takes a while. Sometimes things have to marinate, and I am a big fan of just like jotting notes. I don't keep journals. I don't keep sketchbooks very consistently at all, but I have notes on my phone that I just write down ideas, and even if it's just one running note that I just like start keep 
I keep tacking things onto, and the idea of the note might change, but it's all having to do with painting, so I just keep writing on it. Um, I would totally recommend that because you can revisit it and kind of think, how have I achieved that or moved away from that you know, in the future? And it's pretty fun. And it can remind me of things I was interested in that and kind of amaze me that I, that is exactly what I'm still aiming for like two years later. Um, so as, yeah, so as I was finishing up that other piece, just a funny note, I um, was looking at it and thinking, am I turning into an impressionist? Because it totally is giving off Renoir vibes right now. And I thought that was so funny. I went and Googled some Renoir paintings and he does that exact same thing, the scrubby textural stroke. Anyway, if you want a laugh, just go look up Renoir and then look at my painting. I'll post pictures in my blog post for this episode that I'll link below in the show notes so you can go straight and look at it. Um, anyway, it was just some, a funny thing that I, I never really um, connected my art to any specific art movement. And so seeing that and have that pop out in my mind was pretty funny. So <laughs> that's a silly side note. Um, Okay, so after I kind of wrapped up that first painting and kind of put it on hold, then I started a second one, and um, I'm continuing on with the 24 by 30 scale, and um, I began it with my new paints that I ordered. They came, and I was really excited to try them out and let you guys know what I thought about them. So what I got was two... Uh, golden fluid acrylics. I got a white and a, what was it? Oh, it was the magenta. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was the quinacridone magenta. That's my favorite type of magenta. And um, it, or my favorite type of cool pink, we'll say that. And then I got, what is another one? I got uh, green gold and... Was there another one? Oh, I got turquoise, I think it was. Um, and then I got two high flow paints. One of them was um, quinacridone red, which makes a very beautiful pink once you mix it with white and it makes kind of a warm pink. And then um, the other one that I got was ultramarine blue. Okay, so I'm like trying to pull them up in my brain. Okay, so... Um, what I found is I have used uh, golden fluid acrylics before. So I had a small set of them that I experimented, I don't know, maybe two years ago with. And um, so I kind of knew what to expect with those, but I wasn't quite sure what the, the high flow acrylics are going to be like. So People I've read when I was reading reviews online, over and over I hear people comparing the the uh, fluid acrylics consistency to like the consistency of heavy cream. So if you buy like whipping cream or heavy cream, it's like definitely a liquid, but it has just a certain amount of viscosity. It's like has this little bit of thickness that makes it thicker than water. And um, what I found with those is that if I... I love painting just loosely and fluidly with them, but they don't 
produce drips unless I also have water in my brush. So that was something that I really wanted to figure out for these particular paintings. I love adding drips to these. I'm having a lot of fun with that using drips. Um, and I wanted to try to find a paint that was a little bit of a thicker consistency or not a thicker consistency. That's the wrong word. Um, was more, um, opaque. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a stronger color with also having a drippiness to it, like a very fluid consistency. So both of the paints I bought have very good, um, pigmentation because they're golden brand and they have very high pigment counts. Um, but the, uh, the fluid acrylics don't drip unless my brush is just completely saturated with the paint um, and I push kind of hard with my brush down and then a drip will form. But usually I was finding I had to mix some water to get it to drip. And um, so then I tried out the high flow acrylics and it was really interesting. I was expecting them to be more watery, but literally their, um, their consistency is just like water. I squeeze. They're in these um, interesting squeeze bottles that have like a little pointed twist up top. So you just kind of twist to uncork the top a little bit. And then it's like this little point you squeeze the um, fluid out of. And people will use it for ink in pens and for airbrushing tools and things like that. And so I was expecting something very fluid and I squeezed it out on my palette and it's runny exactly like water. It felt like completely, almost like uncontrollable, like it's like slipping and sliding if you tilt your palette. And so um, those, I just had to fill up my brush with that like only about halfway and it would form a drip and go straight down my canvas really beautifully. And I feel like I'm turning into a drip nerd because <laughs> I love fast drip fast drips, like what those look like, how they're really beautiful and straight and clean and they don't meander like side to side as they're going down. And paints that are thicker, um, like when I was using just a clear gloss medium to mix with my paint, it would be so thick, it would create like a really wide drip and it would also drip very slowly so that it kind of traveled from side to side as it went down. And this drips, the high flow acrylics drip just like water would, where it's like definitely goes much quicker and faster down the canvas and just produces a beautiful kind of saturated color drip. So I'm a big fan of them. I love them. They definitely are pricey. So I just brought a couple uh, colors of those. And I found if I mix the high flow with the fluid um, and then maybe added just a little bit of water, I could get lots of color variations. And so um, I'm happy with what I've got for now. And being that this is just the first layer, I'm not really worried about having all the colors that I like to have in my palette over the course of the whole painting, all for these really fluid paints, because I kind of end up painting over a lot of my base colors. So um, I'm not as picky about what I'm using. I'm actually being very, very intuitive at this point, trying to not be sensical at all and being like, I know this is going to be a totally different color. We're just going to make the flower yellow right now. And I'm going to do something else over top of it and develop those lovely layers where you can kind of see the history of the painting. And so 
yeah, all of that to say, I think I'm going to just keep going with the ones that I have. And, um, but I do, I, I'm really happy that I got those and was able to experiment with them and they do exactly what I was hoping for. Okay. Well, we got really nerdy with the drippy paint, you guys. So hopefully I kept you interested that whole time, but if not tune back in, come back, we're going to move on. Ah, and, um, one thing I did want to say is that I bought uh, Golden's Green Gold acrylic color, and I love it. I've actually heard several artists say that they couldn't live without green gold, and I was really curious to see, like, what is what is the magical green gold? And it is like a super intense yellowy green, but it also has a bit of a brown tinge to it. And I love that. I love um, more complex greens instead of just a very, very like Kelly green kind of like bluish kind of a green. Um, so I love like more muted greens. And anyway, it was, it was almost when you mix it with white, it almost was coming out like neon a little bit, which was like, wow, this is so intense and so interesting. So anyway, I just wanted to say I'm really enjoying the green gold and um, I'm going to see like how it fits into my paintings because whenever I whenever I buy a new color, usually it becomes like my new favorite thing. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> okay, so I am going to wrap up the episode now, but I wanted to just end with something that I loved this week and that was inspiring to me. So I was listening to uh, Susan Nethercoat's podcast. She's an Australian artist, and I've really been enjoying her podcast. And I was listening to episode 50 of her podcast where she was having a conversation about developing different styles as an artist and the pros and cons of that and kind of the struggles that we as artists have when we're trying to, you know, develop our artistic voice and become known for a certain aesthetic in our work, but then we're also battling having this desire to move forward and to experiment and to try new things. And I feel like that is something that has totally been going on in my mind recently with this new body of work that I'm starting where I'm doing things and I'm trying things and the work is turning out like pretty different from my normal style. And, you know, as I'm loving it, I'm having so much fun, and this is totally the direction that I am interested in pursuing for this collection and exploring and forging ahead, um, you know, it's still sort of in the back of my mind. Well, all of the people who've been enjoying my art, will they like this style? What will they think? And so it was really encouraging listening to this episode because she, Susan was talking about how, um, you know, all through art history, artists have gone through different stylistic phases and periods. And you, you wouldn't have so many of the wonderful um, periods of different artists and the different styles that we can to enjoy from them if they hadn't gone through all of those different phases. And also there's always a unifying factor because it's coming from you that pulls the work together. And just to get really clear about what your personal 
voice and unifying thing in your work is. And then other things can fluctuate as in like the color palette you use or sort of the style of strokes. But what is the thing that you are really creating for that's always going to be there? And one quote I wrote down from the episode that I loved is this. My job as an artist is to continually forge ahead into territory that I haven't investigated or explored yet. And I just thought that was really inspiring and felt so right for what I'm working on right now. So I hope that inspires you too. Okay, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me and for reveling in all of the nerdy chit chat. (laughs) I'm excited to keep sharing with you next week on how the work has progressed. All right, bye for now. Thanks for listening to Make Share Grow. You can keep up with the podcast and my artwork on my website, juliemarriottart.com and on Instagram at juliemarriottart.com.